0: Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, my friends, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. I'm your host, Brenda Neckbottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the hr industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce if you're looking to implement new best practices to make your job easier in hr then this podcast is for you Best practices in human resource podcast. This show is designed to help you take the guesswork out of understanding the human resource component and push through the ambiguity of this changing landscape. I'm Brenda, your host and a practicing HR consultant, and I'm here to help you weed through the abyss of human resource information and help take the stress of defining your best practices. This podcast is for anybody who's in a position of managing human capital in a micro, small, or growing business, as well as individual HR practitioners. There's a great deal to the span of this industry and having the information and guidance to implement it month over month is going to be a really great help. If you are a returning listener, thank you very much for your continued support. It's a thrill to have you guys back. Um, I get excited every month when I see the numbers of this growing series increase and really I'm truly grateful for you guys being here and your support. It's an adventure and I just love the fact that you guys decide to come back week after week and and tap in and find out what's going on. But if this is your first time listening in, um, we've got another really great episode and that's going to help you move your HR objectives forward. So what if you could get helpful information faster? So keep listening to this episode as I'm going to help provide you with a variety of resources that are going to help you in managing your company's HR function. I remember first starting out how challenging it was when surfing the internet to know which website was providing accurate information or not. And the internet was so very different back then. And today through experience and exposure, <clears throat> I've been able to spot the good content over the heavily saturated and dollar topics. Uh, I'm in the people business, that's what I do, and believe me, it is challenging <laughs> enough as it is. And there's so much that when it comes to the HR landscape that in and of itself is just a challenge so my mission this is my goal every day all the time is to work smarter and not harder and to help find and share the right resources because I know what it feels like to be in your shoes I'm going to provide you with a number of useful resources both in this episode and on the affiliates page of my website that lists top companies I've worked with and I know through my relationships and experience will provide solid solutions for your problems. I'm here to help you connect to these vendors, people, and services that will certainly ease the pressure of trying to help cipher an overwhelming or an underwhelming amount of data, kind of depending on what you're looking at, and help you in your day-to-day practices. So, in short, I'm gonna load you up with a number of opportunities. So today in the studio, we have Lola, the veteran comfort dog, who may chime in periodically. Um, We've had thunderstorms in the area, and this is not her favorite time, so she's (laughs) safety in numbers and hanging out. And then her assistant, the lovable, adorable champ, the wonder dog. Um, And most importantly today, this is going to be a little bit of a truncated episode. Um, We're going to get right into the main segment. I do have an update for you guys, but today we're going to talk about something that is impacting every company out there um, and that is understanding the employee landscape and finding talent to grow your teams. It is a growing issue and um, I'm going to throw some best practices and suggestions out there for you guys. Then towards the back end, we've got some announcements, got some free resources and we're going to close the episode with the quote of the episode. Um, before we get started though, I do want to make sure that you folks understand that the information that is available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. Uh, you should contact your attorney to obtain that legal advice with respects to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me and I'll be able to help refer you through one in our affiliates program. So be more than happy to do that. And folks, it's spring. Holy cow, it's finally here. Um, I've got the windows open up. We've got construction outside, so (laughs) hopefully there won't be too much background noise coming. We've got new birds in the area and it's just been fantastic. As a matter of fact, I saw dolphins the other day in the water, so it was... Oh, spring is here. All right, so today, like I said, we're going to jump right into the employment landscape and finding talent. Um, so something I want to share with you folks really to help you understand what is going on is where we are with the uh, unemployment rates, which is is going to make a big difference um, in anybody's effort to find Employment and there's a couple of things that are happening first and foremost. We have a much healthier economy than we have had in the past What since 2007 2008? Um, If you have been in a position to where you've been looking for employees and uh, new talent you probably noticed that right about Q2 of 2018 there was a shift, um, a significant shift. And I remember even um, when I was holding a position as a director uh, for a company that right about at the end of 2017, when I was looking for engineers, specifically in uh, the aerospace industry, I noticed that come January, it was getting a little bit more difficult to find people. And I thought it was really interesting. And I thought, hmm, wonder if the job market is starting to change again and sure enough within three months I had my answer Um, so I was able to really kind of take keep pulse of what was happening and come up with alternative methods of finding talent um, particularly through um, the internship program that I used to be part of overseeing and you just have to get a little creative so where we are right now with regards to the unemployment rate. At present for in January 2019 there was a minor spike and our unemployment rate crept up to 4 percent but when you look at February and March the unemployment rate and the jobless rate dropped right back down to 3.8 again and um, it, we're back into being a employees market. So you have an employer's market and an employee's market. In this case, we are back into an employee's market. And the reason why I called out 2007 and 2008 is because I remember sitting at my desk, uh, the the company that I was working for at the time, and I was, you know, kind of doing some job searching. And I I periodically do that just to to see what's going on out there. And um, sure enough, there was a lot of repetition in uh, the same type of positions open. So if you were looking for you know, a sales consultant there was an exhaustively large number of sales positions that were open. And in my particular field I was looking at HR positions and I noticed that there were a lot more HR roles open than what there had been just two years prior to that. So, um, So that's what an employer's An employees market looks like and and what that basically means is that there's more people out there than uh, excuse me there are more jobs out there than people able to fill the job the opening an employers market means that there are more people out there than there are jobs to fill and um, prior to uh, the whole you know, companies starting to go to the government for bailouts, uh, the crash of the economy, the crash of the market. We were actually in an employee's market um, with the housing bubble that popped, uh, lending bubble that popped, and all these other financial bubbles that were literally popping all around us. It very quickly shifted to an employer's market. And if you recall, in 2009, Um, there was a sweeping release of employees across the country. I remember every day it was just, it was ridiculous. I mean, I went to work and it was just, I'd look at the news and it was, you know, this company releasing 1,500 employees and this company releasing X hundred number of employees, you know, this company releasing over a thousand employees. And it it got scary. And I remember that very, very clearly. Um, And it was one of the few times in our Country's history where I actually got nervous um, About the status of our of our nation Uh, the other time um, Was when we were under attack during 9-11 and that was one of the other few times that I've actually been nervous about What's been going on in the country, but nonetheless? um, You know all of a sudden we had uh, individuals that were uh, Boomers that were not able to retire Or fearing that they weren't going to be able to retire, we had people losing out on their four hundred one k. We had the whole Enron thing take place. So it was this. It turned out to what started to look like a perfect storm because it came in from several different directions. Um, All of a sudden, all you know, individuals that were preparing to graduate uh, their undergrad from college you know we're being promised You're like oh yeah you know the big future of the world is here and focus in on this and focus in on that and you're gonna get all these really great jobs well you know great paying jobs well those great paying jobs went away real quick and so we also had a younger workforce uh, the millennial workforce that was really just entering in um, in a large amount that you know they weren't able to find jobs so it was a mess nonetheless so ten years after all that uh, our economy started it it got better you know eight nine ten years we were starting to see significant repairs to our economic status in the United States and that's what moved the uh, the market the employment market from being an employer's market to an employees market and so as I've been doing some research in preparation for this episode I was looking at a website called tradingeconomics.com and the forecast for uh, jobless rates it's gonna it's gonna maintain and it is expected to maintain well into 2020 and uh, if it continues to stay on 2020 now we're heading into another presidential election um, which is going to make an impact but um, you know what? Things are doing very well in the country. People are, you know, consumer confidence is high. Even though, like I said, we're going into the next election, which will be interesting because you know we'll either it'll either be status quo or it will be you know change of administration. Who knows? And um, it's hard to say what is exactly going to happen as a result of that. But nonetheless, you know, 2020, 2021. Um, my guess is that we're going to still see the same numbers based off of this information. So it's going to be like this for a little while, which means a couple other different things. So it it means that really 82% of the general population, they're employed. And when you look at the number of individuals that are sitting on disability, it pretty much means that anybody who's capable of working in the U.S. right now is. And so you know, with a significant low unemployment rate and looking at the the number of people that are on disabilities, like I said, there's more jobs out there right now than there are people to fill them. And, you know, I pulled uh, some census information or the updated information off of the Bureau of Labor Statistics and I can tell you right now that the lowest unemployment rate in February of 2019, 2019, is 2.4%. And there's a four-way tie right now with Iowa, New Hampshire, North Dakota, and Vermont. Um, In good economic times, Hawaii typically has not had a low unemployment rate. They've sometimes had a high unemployment, and I remember that growing up as a kid and bouncing back and forth between the islands like we did. And living out there for as long as I have, but right now they're sitting at 2.7% and they're ranked uh, number five in the country. Um, Going through uh, the states that are in the 4.0s and up, we're looking at Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, California, Illinois, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, Ohio, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arizona, New Mexico, West Virginia, D.C., and Alaska. And the worst of the worst is Alaska sitting at 6.5% unemployment. So, you know, still not horrible numbers across the country. Um, And, I mean, you're talking about really Michigan, um, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania all sitting at the 4.0% unemployment. So... As far as the landscape of the country goes, it's not mo- the needle's not moving in a bad direction. But what is going to start to happen, and we need to be prepared for this. And if companies aren't thinking ahead and looking at their demographics of their what consists of their human capital, um, they're going to start to struggle more than you guys are already struggling now, if you are struggling. So and the reason for that is is that we've got a generational shift that has been delayed and now it is starting to take place so we've got a couple things happening number one we've got like i said like it was my sixth time now i've said this but that's okay we've got more jobs than we have people to fill it well now we also have the baby boomers who have been able to recover what they are capable of recovering from the losses that they took when the market crashed and they are exiting the workforce so they are you know dropping their papers for retirement they're coming out um, which is pushing the millennial workforce further in and building that institutional knowledge so when we have the baby boomers that are leaving there was a risk of a lot of institutional knowledge leaving back Uh, prior to 2010. I remember that being a very large concern. However, now that we had nearly 10 years of stabilization in the workforce, um, we have had the millennial generation be able to start to pick that up. So right now, the next generation is coming into the workforce and that is Generation Z. And they're... You know, generational studies are, are been starting to be done over the last couple of years, and um, it'll be interesting to see how they are in the workplace and what they're capable of producing as well. But um, you know, that's a the baby boomers are a very large populace as far as generations go, and even though Generation Y or the millennials, as they're called. Um, is just as large if not slightly larger, uh, kind of depending on who you're looking at and what dates they're using as far as rating, you know, what is a Generation Y and what is not. They actually outpace my generation and that's Generation X. So, um, so you know, you got to focus in still on the multi-generational aspect. Um, I wouldn't put all your eggs in that basket when it comes to that. But something that, one of the things that, you know, start taking a look at the different components and the different contributions that are where we are in the landscape. So we we talked about the current employment rates. We talked about the disability rates. You know, we looked at forecasting. um, We've explained what the job market is. And these are all elements. Now, there's a couple other things that you guys want to start thinking about. First and foremost, I'm going to split this up into new potential employees and current employees. So your new potential employees, something that you guys need to focus in on is take a step back and look at how you're branding yourselves as the employer of choice. And what that means is that you understand enough of your competition in the area. What makes you more successful as an employer? What makes you more attractive as an employer? It's not always salary now we've got good jobs back Um, you know we we do still have a massive trade gap in this country and that is only going to continue to grow because let's face it trade doesn't have you know it's not as sexy as some of the other jobs so um, you know fewer people are wanting to get their hands dirty so to speak in that regard and so we've got a trade gap so you know income is going to go up in that the demand for higher paying positions is certainly going to continue to increase in the trade sector versus IT and technology although you know there's always a new horizon that is being crossed on IT and technology but um, coming back to what I was saying so you know take a look at how you guys are branding yourselves as an employer of choice are you making yourself more marketable out there meaning Um, Are you focusing in on your job ads and, and paying more attention to how you're illustrating the culture of your company? You know, are you in your job ad postings? Are you making it an exciting environment to be in? Or are you just like, here's the job. Do you want to apply? Go ahead and apply kind of a thing. You know, uh, focus in on your culture and even, you know, we're going to kind of get into this a little bit, but when you're looking at retaining your current employees, focus in on culture. Those two things are very important. Culture tends to be a prime driver and you want to put the right spin and the right influential and persuasive language into your job ads that properly reflects what your company actually looks like. Um, so branding yourself as an employer of choice is going to be very important. What kind of relationships do you guys have with resources that help you identify potential talent? And there's a lot of them out there. You know, take a look at your relationships that you have with, you know, the chamber of commerce, um, different types of local networking groups. If, if you know, if you have individuals, if your company is more of an engineering company, then what kind of relationships do you have with? that particular segment of the workforce. Um, looking at you know, universities, what kind of relationships do you have with the career department of the university? Um, I actually belong to a, a pretty awesome business uh, networking group called BNI. And uh, BNI is a really, if you're in, involved in BNI, it's, um, it's an organization to where we actually help each other grow our businesses through referrals. But you know what, that can also include putting information out there say hey I'm looking for this position I need to fill this position um, you can you know go out and hire recruiters um, I've got a couple of positions that I'm helping some clients try and find right now and you know they their entry level their frontline positions and I mean in a week I got 75 people applying but I'm only getting about maybe a 16th of those individuals actually engaged in the process so you know people are definitely definitely posting you know responding and and raising their hand to raise their hand but the re, the response coming back has been low which is also another indicator um, that you really have to focus your attention in on identifying who it is that you want to hire not just anybody but what does this person look like what is the ideal candidate look like and you know write those things down and then again formulate your language around it and if these are individuals that you know are a fit that align with that description you're gonna have a better chance at filling positions so you have to know, you know it's like marketing 101 you have to know who your target market is and you have to know what it is that you're looking to turn around and offer that back to your your clientele now, internally, um, this is a, a pretty awesome thing that you guys can start doing is, you know, really focus in on retaining your current employees. And this is going to help. It's going to help your turnover. It's going to help the fact that you're not going to have to go out and spend money um, to try and find individuals. And, you know, look, you know, roughly, if you kind of do some dirty math, I mean, you're looking about, you know, $2,500 to, you know, go out and hire an individual, onboard them, get them settled in the company, and that includes, you know, the posting of the resources, everything that you need to actually do the paperwork. You're talking about labor dollars involved with the interviewing and management and, you know, the orientation and, you know, subscriptions that help you do this and your HRS system. So, right. So you put it all into one big ball of wax. So roughly, you know, if, like I said, if you do some down and dirty math, you're looking at about $2,500 a a person and that's a lot of money, you know. So the less you have to actually go out and recruit somebody, then obviously that money gets to stay down in the bottom line um, versus, you know, how it's impacted on the top line, which is where you really want your growth to be. But Start taking a look at your effectiveness in the organization and, and how that culture is there to help maintain your current workforce. People are going to leave. It's as simple as that. You know, you know, we saw mass exodus starting to happen in 2017, 2018. It's continuing to 2019 simply because those really good jobs were starting to come back and people weren't feeling the pressures of what they were feeling from the downed economy and, you know, felt comfortable enough to spread their wings and fly and look for different opportunities. And, you know, and that's normal when it comes to a recovered economic status we've seen that time and time again throughout this country's history it's not gonna change Um, it's definitely something to be mindful of because we are gonna have another down economic status it probably won't happen for a little while yet thank the good lord but um, because you know everybody still remembers the last one but you know those things they ebb and flow so Another thing that you can do when you are, you know, looking inward at what you're doing with your organization, ask yourself the question, are you treating your employees as well as you are treating your customers? And if, you know, when I was working for a Fortune 500 company, we always had this mindset of that we had internal customers and external customers. And we treated our internal customers, which... our our co-workers our employees you know within the entire company uh, not only just in our own location but within the entire corporate structure as clients as customers they're just as important as the people who are you know coming in and spending their hard-earned dollars so you know are you guys looking at how you can build a better environment by delivering Quality external customer service as well as quality internal customer service. Um, You know, look at yourself. You can do surveys. You can take a moment to step back, ask these questions to you and your team, and they're gonna help kind of crack some of the ice, right? You can also do an employment engagement survey, but realistically what you want to find out you want to find out do your employees feel like their efforts matter now if you're answering that question fast because I've seen that happen time and time again you really don't have a good pulse of your employees and I'm sorry I mean that may upset some people but I have seen this over and over and over again when I have asked that question do your employees feel like they make a difference like they matter in this organization oh yeah absolutely they do then when you really get into it and you start peeling back the layers of the onion you learn that they don't. If you're not asking the question of your employees and getting that feedback and understanding their level of engagement you're going to have a misalignment of what you believe is really going on in your workplace versus what is actually going on in your workplace. Um, Another thing to take a look at how are your managers managing their people? not leading I'm just talking about managing and leading and managing are two totally different things managing is taking care of the day to day stuff are your managers starting to micro manage their employees if they are work at getting them to break that away because there's nothing worse than an adult feeling like a child in a workplace where they're capable of performing adult work Um, you know is there meaningful professional development? And that's a really good question to ask. This is the time right now to invest in building your workforce, into strengthening and reinforcing your workforce, and that's at the time when you think you are at the highest risk of losing them. If you remember in the last episode um, that we had Jim uh, come in and we talked about how people say that I don't have time to, I don't have time to develop my employees. Well, and we had that meme. We had the CEO and the CFO talking and the CFO looks over at the CEO and says, you know, what happens if we develop these people and they leave? And the CEO turns around and looks at him, and he says, what happens if we don't and they stay? Well, you're going to have a stale workforce and that, that's the whole point of that meme and you're gonna have people that are losing the level of talent and ability and those those skills degrade or they just have never been given an opportunity to to build them up even further but if you're worrying about people leaving that's the time to start putting some leadership development or development professional development skill development any kind of development in place number one it makes people feel good that somebody else is taking a vested interest in their well-being and the fact that they want them to stay in the company they now start to feel valued because they are perceiving that you see them as a valued resource the other thing is expression of appreciation towards top performers but employees as a whole You know, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, give praise towards your top performers, and and they should. I mean, they've worked hard. They get it. They either work hard or they work smart. It's one of the two. And if they, you know, are ringing the bells, if they're bringing in the money, if they are making positive change happen, if they are part of your key performance indicators that drive this company forward, then yeah, by all means, you know, get them some appreciation, show them how much you care. But you know what? Just like what we were talking about in the last episode, too, you know, Jim had the the example of Sally, who's the quiet worker, who's, you know, has taken on three times the amount of work and is not you know, isn't maybe necessarily bringing the money, but that person is providing the support so those revenue drivers can. Everybody has a part in this company that helps somebody or another area of the business pull money in. So you got to make sure that you recognize those individuals as well. And, you know, is there such a thing as going overboard and over-recognizing people? Yeah, there is. And uh, matter of fact, I've, I've had a client over the years, who um, I've known very well and they've done a tremendous job of building that up but every now and again you know I get that little bug in my ear it's like you know I think we need to bring this back in because it's now common it's not the exception and it's expected not respected so you're you know when you have employment when you have recognition towards your employees or if you have um, you know, some sort of program where employees gain some sort of benefit, either through a point system where they can cash in for a reward or, or some kind. And you're going to have to put some balance in there so that way it maintains its level of excitement. It maintains a level of, like, yeah, hey, this is a really special perk. And it's not something to where like what used to happen in my grandfather's hardware store years and years and years. (laughs) I think it was like 14 months in a row. um, The electrical manager was nominated month over month as the employee of the month for that particular store. And he never did anything other than help the customer. That's it. He wasn't stuffing a ballot box. He wasn't bribing people to go drop his name in. You know, it was a, it was an organization, it was a company, it was the top true value hardware store in the United States for 10 years. In this little plop of an island in the middle of the Pacific, if you can believe that. And the big piece was that my grandfather was very adamant about customer service. He'd walk the floor several times a day. If you saw that you weren't able to split yourself into five different directions and hit six different customers all at the same time, you know, he looked he looked down on it. So customer service was very important. And so that's why this gentleman, um, unfortunately, he's passed now, but, um, you know, month over month. And it was a ridiculous amount of time, just got all of this. It was amazing, actually. Uh, not so much ridiculous. He was a good guy. But, you know, but because he was doing those things and he was making people feel good about the experience and they were giving that feedback. It made him feel good too. And it just got him to up his game even more, which is part of the reason why they were the number one true value hardware store in the United States. So, um, you know, so those things really help. Now, here's something where it can go a little south on you. Everybody has swag of some kind and, you know, there's really great there's a great time to put contests in place and then if you do it all the time then it's just dull it, just, it loses its luster so if you're relying way too much on events or things that really don't have an intrinsic value to them to where you get more squishy balls than Okay, so I want to do a quick recap and visit on a topic that we had from a a couple of episodes ago in regards to the EEO-1 pay data reporting uh, requirements that came out of a court case, um, the National Women's Law Center versus the Office of Management and Budget. Um, The courts had ruled that uh, there's a requirement, the requirement for the Uh, submit race ethnicity and gender data is now going to be collected so and we went into extensive conversations to what exactly that is so as it sits right now the deadline to submit race ethnicity and gender data which is the component number one and component number two for pay data for 2018 remains into effect from May 31st 2019 so that means that all the data for 2018 needs to be compiled and put into place and delivered to the EOC May 31st, 2019. So that gives you about seven weeks to put that together. Now if you don't know what this is and you have a hundred employees or more or you're a government contractor or you think you may be required to do this you are welcome to reach out to me and go ahead and we'll get you in touch with an organization either one or two uh, different organizations that know what they're doing at this and will be able to help you understand more of what this is and what exactly needs to go into it. Um, what has come up of from all of this is that the EEOC has made it um, very clear that as it sits right now, they don't necessarily have, are equipped to begin pay data collection by May 31st. However, that date still stands, but there's a possibility that they may delay it <clears throat> until September 30th to 2019 at the earliest. So, so even though the courts have announced that the data is due May 31st, 2019, um, the EEOC is kind of still in a scramble to figure out how they're actually going to make this happen so stay tuned you know I'll do everything that I can to help keep you guys in the loop on this um, as it continues on. So I have a question for you guys what if you could take that next giant step in your career and make a big difference to your team in the process how, how amazing would that be what if you could push beyond the boundaries that you know today and really make marked improvements between you and your team in the next six weeks, three months, six months, or even a year from now. How would it make you feel if you saw the needle move on your team's performance? Two so years ago, I was broken down. I was an exhausted manager with no real discernible leadership skills, and I never really had any good mentors. I was a great task manager, but I was very inexperienced at really leading people, and I was good at motivating them to get the job done. However, I missed the element of really getting a chance to know my people well, really looking at what their talents were, looking behind the schedule or beyond the schedule, celebrating their successes, and developing great relationships with my team. Now, that's not to say I didn't like them. I, I really did. I had a, a lot of respect for them um, greatly, but I I really liked them, and but I was... I was fortunate to not have any real problems on my staff, but they weren't fulfilled from what I was capable of producing at the time. And as a result, my job was a little bit harder uh, to accomplish. So right now, we are accepting applications for our three-day leadership development course called Forged. Um, In the last episode, Jim and I spoke about it um, in an earlier segment, but I want to share a little bit more with you about what you're going to experience by joining us on May 1st. So you get nearly 80 years of combined elite leadership experience, and we have Jim Foreman, who's a retired Command Master Chief Navy SEAL, and another gentleman by the name of Kevin, who is also a retired Command Master Chief Navy SEAL. Jim is 27 years, Kevin is 30 years, and then with myself, um, with the Fortune 500 experience, we have combined our strengths. We have put a program together that we feel is very strong in helping individuals develop their leadership skills and style based off of principles that we have seen proven time and time again to be effective. And this course is very different and it's unlike anything else that is out there right now in the market. So it provides one-on-one time with each instructor throughout the three-day course. The course also includes a participant workbook with additional tools, resources, white papers, and exercises that will help usher participants through your personal development. Uh, within the three days, we do have customized team building events that you have never experienced before. These are very unique, and you know we do recognize that there's a lot of leadership programs that are out there right now. Um, you know there's a lot of really great opportunities led by other Navy SEALs um, that were taking, that are taking their past experiences, their lessons and putting it out there for the greater good. We've put something together that is very 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 different and it's going to be a tremendous amount of fun. Meals are provided so anybody who's uh, enrolled in the program can focus in on getting the most out of the event. Gives everybody the ability to meet new professionals and network uh, throughout the course. Um, There's also post-course access to the instructors for additional coaching and development. And right now we're offering a $500 discount towards the enrollment fee for this course. Upon acceptance into the course, if you pay your tuition within 72 hours, you are eligible to receive one hour post-course post-course coaching session with a choice of the of your instructors, and that's a value of $150. If you want to do this, you know what, why not invite somebody you like and really have fun with somebody like a friend or a colleague. If you refer them and they attend your class, you can earn an additional free one hour post-course coaching session with your choice of instructor, again at a value of $150. So right there, $500 off the tuition. And two opportunities to earn an additional two hours of one-on-one coaching at the value of $300. So you're looking at saving $800 right there. If you're wondering, we we do understand that things come up. And we do have a refund policy. So if you sign up, and um, it's right there on the page uh, as you go through the process. Additional details are there. And... Um, You know, it's a pretty great program. It's a great opportunity. So take advantage of it today by visiting bestpractices.org and click on the Forge link on the menu page. Okay, This is going to be an awesome event. It's going to be absolutely epic. Um, We're excited to see you soon, but we only have a limited number of openings, and they are going to fill. So if you get stuck, if you have questions, there's contact information available during the registration process. Don't hesitate. Go ahead and reach out. So I'm here to help you define your gold standard in human capital management. I'm here to help you solve complex problems that come with employment and managing your people and help keep you in the know on current or developing changes in the employment landscape. Um, I've introduced to you in the last episode a Q&A segment. Um, I actually took that and did something new with it today and would love to hear your questions uh, about what you have for human resources and um, I'll tell you a little bit about what took place earlier on today. So submit your questions on the best practices worksite by clicking the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to post your questions which may be read and answered on an upcoming episode. Um, So what I did today earlier is I introduced uh, the inaugural kickoff of the HR Coffee Talk on Instagram and Facebook. The replay of that is currently out on YouTube. You can go ahead and see the full hour. This is actually something that is going to be uh, done again next week, actually every week, and it's gonna change. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do live Instagram and live Facebook simultaneously with the recaps available on our YouTube channel. So um, I used the questions that I was going to put in this episode <laughs> for that. Um, but I'm gonna tell you right now that if you want to find out how, to deal with a crying narcissist go watch the live replay play over on the YouTube channel and just type in best practices and it should pop right up for you guys so what if there was a way that you could tap into answers to really difficult questions like how do you deal with a crying narcissist? (laughs) I was really fortunate early in my HR career to have exposure to some very talented leaders. Many times I just sat and soaked in all that information that they shared and the decisions that they made and how they made them and why they made them and how did they address them, what did they say, and it was awesome. And I consider myself to be incredibly fortunate to have been a part of something amazing like that. And I'm offering you a similar opportunity. So like I said, every week we are going to do a 30-minute open Q&A session on Instagram Live and Facebook Live simultaneously. We're not going to split them up and do one at the half hour and the other one at the back half of the hour. Um, This is an opportunity to get answers to your questions that pertain to managing your workforce and the human resource function. So follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR, and then you'll be able to capture uh, the live replay of that on uh, Facebook, or excuse me, on our, link, our, our LinkedIn, LinkedIn channel. I mean, there's so many things out there. Sorry, it's the YouTube channel. <laughs> I knew it was going to come out eventually. So I do appreciate your, the questions that come. Um, it's a really great opportunity to learn more. It's also a really great opportunity to find out who's thinking what so as promised early in the show today we've got a free resource for you it's something that i've been offering since the beginning of the year and we're going to continue to provide it but we are also going to continue providing the strike force energy drink bonus offering and we mentioned strike force repeatedly in our podcast episodes and started back in when we were talking about wellness and we're going to give you an opportunity to continue to save some money while you kick the can to other energy drinks in the market Strikeforce energy is a sugar-free no calorie healthier alternative to other energy drinks that are out there you can choose from their individual packets or their pump bottles found in four flavors i personally love the grape make america grape again have the shirt that goes with it. It's pretty cool. Visit strikeforceenergy.com and enter the new and updated code AFL, that's Alpha Foxtrot Lima, Brenda, my name, B-R-E-N-D-A, 455, that's A-F-L-B-R-E-N-D-A 455, to receive 20% off the retail price of Strikeforce. You can also find more information about Strikeforce on our affiliates page at bestpractices.org. And lastly, um, I talked mentioned it earlier, I, we have the free gift that is still out there for you guys to take advantage, and I'd really like to give that to you. Um, I personally know how confusing it is to keep track of all the other compliance deadlines that are required in the field, and to be honest with you, I almost personally forgot about one in regards to a, a client, so I'm glad I looked at it <laughs> because I didn't miss it. <laughs> and I also understand how and when to find the time it takes to engage in all the other proactive things that you want to do and and with all the stuff that you have to put together you don't always necessarily have it. So I've created an HR calendar for 2019 that lists all the compliance deadlines to relieve the tension of having to figure these things out for yourself. The calendar includes mandatory filing deadlines, nationally recognized holidays, as well as a few best practice recommendations worked in. It's a bunch of compliance information consolidated onto one page. Print it, pin it up in your office and use it as a tool to help you keep all of those parts and pieces of the HR puzzle connected. To download this free tool, visit the website at bestpractices.work. Click on the link at the bottom of the page. And that is the time that we have today. Um, And if you really liked what you heard, you know that you need to stay up on important changes and continue to get advice on how to work with them, then visit us. You know, visit me at bestpractices.org. You know, click subscribe and sign up today to have my best practices delivered to your inbox. And, folks, thanks again for joining me. This is a real thrill. Tenth episode, knocked out. Um, it's only going to get better. We've got a lot of other really awesome guests planned out through the year. We've got some other really great information. Um, my goal is to definitely load you guys up with resources. And, and, again, certainly the focus of that is to do that. So it's a real joy to be able to do this podcast and, um, you know, to make a difference. That's that's my intention right there. So, we're going to end it with the quote of the day and Benjamin Franklin's where this one came from, uh, this one comes from and he says that well done is often better than well said so thank you guys again for listening and i will talk to you again.